Thanks for joining us through the Crossbridge Podcast. We hope this message speaks to you wherever you may be on your spiritual journey and helps you take your next step of growth in your relationship with Jesus. For more information about Crossbridge or to speak with one of our ministry team members, please visit crossbridge.church. When King David was very old, he could not keep warm, even when they put covers over him. Bathsheba went to see the aged king in his room, where Abishag the Shunammite was attending him. Bathsheba bowed down, prostrating herself before the king. What is it you want? The king asked. She said to him, My lord, you yourself swore to me, your servant, by the Lord your God. Solomon, your son, shall be king after me, and he will sit on my throne. The king then took an oath, as surely as the Lord lives, who has delivered me out of every trouble, I will surely carry out this very day what I swore to you by the Lord, the God of Israel. Solomon, your son, shall be king after me, and he will sit on my throne in my place. Then Bathsheba bowed down with her face to the ground, prostrating herself before the king and said, May the Lord King David live forever. When the time drew near for David to die, he gave a charge to Solomon, his son. I'm about to go the way of all the earth, he said. So be strong, act like a man, and observe what the Lord your God requires. Walk in obedience to him and keep his decrees and commands, his laws and regulations as written in the law of Moses. Do this so that you may prosper in all you do and wherever you go and that the Lord may keep his promise to me. If your descendants watch how they live, and if they walk faithfully before me with all their heart and soul, you will never fail to have a successor on the throne of Israel. Welcome to Crossbridge this weekend. Whether you're worshiping with us at our Morris campus, online, or our Peru campus, we are glad that you have chosen to worship with us this weekend. My name is John. I serve as one of the pastors here at Crossbridge, and I'm excited to share with you today. As you know, we've been working our way through this book called The Story, a collection of the stories found in the Bible. And we've begun with Genesis and creation, and we've worked our way through a lot of history. And today we're focusing on the life of Solomon. Now, I don't know if you've ever bumped into someone who's a really big deal or not. I remember as a kid being in Los Angeles with my older brother, one of my older brothers, and my older sister. And we were eating dinner at Planet Hollywood, and all of a sudden, everyone in the restaurant turned their heads to the entrance. It was like something stopped, and everybody was quiet, and they were staring, and people's mouths were open, people were fumbling for their cameras if they had them. And all of a sudden, I looked, and through the door came magic Johnson, the one and only Magic Johnson. And there was a whole group of people around him, and there was a buzz as he walked through the restaurant to his VIP room in the back. You could tell Magic was a big deal, and people stopped and they stared when they saw Magic coming. You see, Solomon, Solomon was a big deal, this guy that we're studying today. He was one of those guys that when he would walk in the room, everybody would stop and they'd stare and everybody would have their attention on Solomon. 
Solomon was one of David's sons, and and last the two weeks, the last two weeks, we've been looking at the life of David, who was the king of Israel. Solomon became king after David. He was a big deal. The Bible says this about Solomon: King Solomon was greater in riches and wisdom than all the other kings of the earth. The whole world saw audience with Solomon to hear the wisdom that God had put in his heart. Year after year, everyone who came brought a gift. Articles of silver and gold, robes, weapons and spices and horses and mules. Solomon had it all. He had money, wisdom, honor, gifts, and the Bible tells us he had many, many wives. And so today we're going to look at the life of Solomon. Specifically, though, today, when we look at the life of Solomon, I want us to think about this concept of legacy, this idea of how we leave our mark on the world. When we think about legacy, we're basically saying these are the things that really mattered. This is the impact that person had on the people around them and on on history itself. When we think about legacy, we think about the things that were important when someone leaves a good legacy, we say they focused on what mattered. When they leave a poor legacy, we say they focused on that which didn't matter. And and as we read the story of Solomon today, we'll see that Solomon was very focused on his legacy. He was concerned with how others viewed him. He was interested with how he would live his life and how he would be viewed in after death. You see, I believe a lot of us are interested in those things too. We're interested in our legacy, maybe even interested in the mark we leave on this world. Is the mark we're leaving, is it positive? Is it negative? How do others view us? We ask questions about our legacy and sometimes even our preoccupation with the legacy we're leaving drives us and drives our actions. I was thinking about this concept of legacy, and and I couldn't help but think of a movie. The movie is Napoleon Dynamite. Now, if you haven't seen it, don't bother. (laughs) It's it's funny, but in a really bizarre way. It's about a teenager growing up in Idaho, and uh, it's it's interesting. But anyways, Napoleon is the central figure, and he has this uncle named Uncle Rico. And Uncle Rico is obsessed with his legacy. In not really a good way. He's stuck in the past thinking about high school football and how his legacy has been ruined. Take a look at this movie clip. Back in 82, I used to be able to throw a pigskin a quarter mile. Are you serious? I'm dead serious. Watch this. I'm talking about. I better go. <laughs> How much you want to make a bet I can throw a football over the mountains? Yeah. If a coach would have put me in fourth quarter, we'd have been state champions, no doubt. No doubt in my mind. You better believe things have been different. I'd have gone pro in a heartbeat. I'd be making millions of dollars and living in a big old mansion somewhere, you know, soaking it up 
I hope you enjoyed that clip as much as I do, and if you don't, that's okay. <laughs> you know, when I start talking about my high school football days, my wife says, calm down, Uncle Rico. <laughs> oh, if Coach would have put me in, we would have won state. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, sorry. All right, I'll get back on track. Uh, the truth for all of us is that we think about how we live our lives, right? We think about the legacy we are leaving. We think about what matters. We think about our achievements, how other people view us. We're focused on leaving a mark in this world. And I think Solomon's story today has something to teach us. In Solomon's story, there are three big moments, big legacy-defining moments. There's a lot on the line in these moments. But what you might not expect is that God shows up each time and tries to tell Solomon something about his legacy in the midst of those moments. And so if you can, come with me to that first moment. This first moment is the scene of the deathbed of King David, Solomon's father. And so David is is breathing his last breaths. He's preparing to pass on. And he calls Solomon to sit beside him. Solomon knows that he's going to become king after his father passes. And so David takes this moment to give Solomon some final instructions. This is what David says, I am about to go the way of all the earth. So be strong, act like a man, observe what the Lord your God requires. Walk in obedience to him. Keep his decrees and commands, his laws and regulations as written in the law of Moses. Do this so that you may prosper in all you do and wherever you go and that the Lord may keep his promise to me. If your descendants Watch how they live. If they walk faithfully before me with all all their heart and soul, you will never fail to have a successor on the throne of Israel. So so here we have David giving his final speech to his son who is about to inherit the throne. Think about it just for a moment, right? Solomon will be only the third king of this nation, nation Israel. Israel is still pretty young. And so this is big. These are big shoes to fill. And David is giving advice to this next king, to his son. He starts off by offering this kind of generic dad advice, right? Be strong. Act like a man. (laughs) I think I've given that advice to my son a few times. Uh, but, But then David repeats a line that God told him earlier in his life. And it's almost as if he's saying, hey, Solomon, God told me this, but it's going to be true for you too. I learned this as a king, and and I want to pass this on. These are the words of God spoken to me, but I'm going to give them to you as well. And so he says this, if your descendants watch how they live, if they walk faithfully before me with all their heart and soul, you will never fail to have a successor on the throne of Israel. It's as if David is saying, hey, Solomon, this job is big. This king thing truly is big, but it's not the most important thing in your life. Living as a king in that position itself isn't what will determine your legacy. Focus on walking with God. Don't focus on the position that you're about to take on. I remember in high school, I got a job, a summer job, and I was working uh, on the grounds crew at a Christian university. 
and we did the weed eating, we hauled the trash, we watered the plants, we did everything except run a mower. They didn't trust us with that. I don't know why they didn't trust three teenage boys with the mowers, but me and my buddies had a great summer working on the grounds crew. During my first two weeks there, I kept bumping into this old guy. Uh, he was probably in his 70s, and he was super quirky. He wore a button-up shirt every day. He wore pants up to the middle of his belly that cut into his belly. He had on an old baseball hat, and his white hair would curl around the sides. He had a newspaper with him wherever he went, and he was always working on a crossword puzzle. Most of the time, I would walk into the big building that housed the grounds crew and the maintenance crew and the custodial crew for the college, and, and that's where we would have our breaks and our time cards and all that. And he would be wandering around that building and often in the break room doing a crossword. After a few weeks, I said, who is this dude that just like walks around? Like, why doesn't he do any work? And somebody said, well, you know, like the name on the building, right? Like outside it says Gilliland. And I was like, yeah, so what? They're like, dude, the building's named after that guy. <laughs> and I was like, what? And they shared the story that this guy was the beginning maintenance guy 40 years ago when the university opened. That all the trees on the campus that were big and beautiful, that he planted those by hand. The university was so small that he was the maintenance crew, the cleaning crew, the whole thing crew, the grounds crew uh, for a few years as the university started. And they shared, though, that, that this guy was actually one of the best safe crackers and locksmiths in the entire nation. For fun, he would go to competitions, and he would compete, and he'd regularly rank in the top three locksmiths and safecrackers in the nation. In fact, there would, there would be folks like in casinos in Las Vegas that they would lock themselves out of their own safes. I'm not sure how that's possible, but they would lock themselves out of their own safes, and they would call him first and say, hey, can you, can you help us get into our safe? He flew all over the United States, even to different parts of the world, helping crack safes and get into them. But he didn't do that for a living. He didn't choose that path. He didn't make a lot of money. He chose to work at this small Christian university, starting a grounds crew and then staying for like 40 years. And I remember thinking, this makes no sense to me. And so I was like, I got to get to know this guy throughout the summer. And so I began to ask him questions and hear his stories and ask him about his life and the decisions he made. And over the course of time, it became clear to me that he wasn't interested in whatever position he had. He was interested in being wherever God was leading him. And that's why he was there. He could have gone on to do bigger things, make more money, be famous in the locksmith world, if that's a thing. But instead, he chose to love God and to be where God was calling him. You see what I want to say here today in this first big moment of Solomon and what I think God is trying to get through to Solomon is that your position does not determine your legacy. Your relationship with Jesus determines your legacy. How many of us are caught up in thinking that we have to have some sort of position? Maybe there's some of us that, that know we don't have this great position Maybe today it's good news for both. Those that are seeking the position, those that are in the position, those that have no position at all. Because what God would say is, whatever your position or your title or your work or your leadership or whatever is, it's not what determines your legacy. What determines your legacy is walking with me. Maybe you have an awesome job. Maybe you have no job. Maybe you're a leader Maybe you feel on the bottom of the totem pole. 
Maybe people seek you out for wisdom and advice and maybe no one ever asks you for your advice. It's okay because your position does not determine your legacy, your relationship with Jesus does. So let's fast forward to the next moment in Solomon's life, right? And this moment is really, really interesting. God shows up when Solomon's asleep to him in this sort of dream thing. And God says this, ask me for anything you want and I will give it to you. I mean, this is like the ultimate Aladdin-like moment, right? It's the genie in the bottle thing. And so ask me for anything you want and I will give it to you. Now, this is really interesting because Solomon has just become king. It's kind of a critical moment in his life. And the question is, what will Solomon ask for? He could ask for anything. What will he ask God for? And Solomon actually does pretty well. The Bible says this, quoting Solomon, Your servant is here among the people you have chosen, a great people too numerous to count or number. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people, to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? You see, Solomon is concerned about his ability to perform as king. He's beginning to understand how big of a responsibility this is. He wants to do a good job. He wants to leave a solid legacy. And you can see Solomon mulling it over in his mind. How am I going to be king? What kind of king will I be to these people? What sort of legacy will I leave for this nation? And so Solomon asks for wisdom. He asks for the ability to distinguish between what is right and wrong. God says this in reply. He says, since you have asked for this, not for long life or wealth for yourself, nor have you asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment and administering justice, I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart. So there will never have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. Moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for, both wealth and honor, so that in your lifetime, You will have no equal among kings. And if you walk in obedience to me and keep my decrees and commands, as David, your father, did, I will give you a long life. Dude, Solomon is probably like, yes, score. I asked for wisdom, and I got wealth, and I got honor. Booyah, right? The king thing is going to be sweet. I can just see it, right? Solomon's pumped. Now, that's a lesson for all you teenagers and kids out there. When your parents says, hey, what do you want? You say, hey, I don't, I don't really need anything, mom and dad. I just want the ability to distinguish between what is right and what is wrong. <laughs> and your parents will give you wealth and honor, right? Yeah. <laughs> all right. Anyway, maybe not. But anyways, all kidding aside, right, there's a key line in there. When God is speaking, it's a line that's repeated almost directly from earlier. God says almost the exact same phrase again to Solomon. He says, walk in obedience to me. For the second time after another critical legacy-defining moment for Solomon, God shows up and he says, walk in obedience with me. You see, God gives Solomon an invitation it's, it's as if God knows what's going on in Solomon's heart and mind. God knows the potential pitfalls of Solomon's heart. 
He knows how Solomon will be tempted to make the kingship about everything else but God himself. God shows up in the midst of that and he says, Solomon, your ability as king won't determine your legacy. Your your relationship, the way you walk with me is what determines your legacy. He said, first, it's not about your position. And second, it's not about your ability. It's about you walking with me. A few um, times ago when I shared, I mentioned in one of the messages that my mom five years ago was diagnosed with both Parkinson's and Alzheimer's. And for us, the last five years have been a journey of watching her abilities diminish. Every time I go home, my mom is able to do a little less. It began with the uh, losing, by losing the ability to remember short-term things. She couldn't remember certain things, and she'd ask several questions, the same questions several times. Then at times she would forget names of the grandkids, and then sometimes our names. And it would progress until here recently her ability to stay engaged in in a regular-paced conversation. uh, She lost that ability. And so now when folks are talking in the room, she'll just sit and listen. And now we're in the stage here, we're about there for her to lose her ability to walk. It's a difficult thing to watch. And I know I've talked with several of you. You've sent me messages. You've gone through that journey yourself. You see, we've had a front row view to see my mom losing her ability. But as I reflected on that and I was writing this message this week and thinking about my mom's legacy, what she's leaving to her kids and her grandkids. It was never about her ability to begin with. Her legacy was and is and always will be her walk with Jesus. Her walk with Jesus is what determines her legacy, not her ability to perform or do anything. You see, for us, I think we get stuck in the trap of thinking that our abilities is what determines our worth. It's what determines our mark on the world. It's how we find our value. But I want to say today that your ability is not what determines your legacy, your relationship with Jesus is. Maybe today you feel like you're good at lots of stuff, or maybe you feel like you're not good at anything. Maybe you feel like you've got all kinds of ability. Maybe today you feel like you don't have much ability as well. You see, I've got good news. God says, I'm not interested in your ability. I'll take care of that. I'll give you all the ability you need to do what you need in this world. But just walk with me. The invitation from God is just just walk with me. Walk in obedience. Walk in faithfulness with me. That's what's going to determine your legacy. That's how you'll make a mark on this world. Well, the third and then final moment that we're going to look at in Solomon's life happens right after he builds the temple. One of Solomon's greatest, if not greatest, achievement was building the temple for God's people to worship in. You might remember that up until this point, God's, God's people didn't have a place to worship him. There was like a tent and there was an Ark of a Covenant, but no organized place for them to gather and to worship. And so Solomon goes about building an ornate temple. 
He gets building supplies from around the world. He gets thousands of workers involved. He raises these funds. He holds this huge, extravagant ceremony to dedicate the temple. It's a big ordeal. One of Solomon's greatest achievements. And when this temple is done and when the ceremony is over, God shows up. And maybe you can guess by now what God's going to tell Solomon. He says something very similar to what we've already heard. He says, Solomon, as for you, if you walk before me faithfully with integrity of heart and uprightness, as David your father did, and do all I command and observe my decrees and laws, I will establish your royal throne over Israel forever. As I promised David your father when I said you shall never fail to have a successor on the throne of Israel. You see, after Solomon's greatest achievement, something he did for God, God shows up and says, Solomon, thank you, but it's, but it's never been about a building. It's never been about accomplishing things. I, I don't need you to build me a temple. I'm, I'm grateful for it, thank you. But really what I want is I want you to walk with me. I want you to have a relationship with me. I want you to be faithful and obey the things I'm calling you to do. You see, God continues to invite Solomon to walk with him in faithfulness. This is the third time where God has said, walk with me, Solomon. Each time after a major event in Solomon's life, a legacy-defining event, God shows up and says, I'm not sure you totally understand, Solomon. I want you to walk with me. Your legacy isn't about what you achieve or what you accomplish. Your legacy is about walking with me, about having a relationship with me. I can't help but wonder how many of us spend our time trying to achieve or accomplish things. Our preoccupation with leaving our mark on this world or or doing what matters drives us and we stay so busy and we get caught up in the cycle of trying to perform. Sometimes it's work. Maybe we're trying to build wealth. Maybe we're trying to raise a family. Maybe it's the possessions that we want to own. But at the end of the day, none of that is as important as walking with Jesus. Your achievements, your accomplishments, those are not what determine your legacy. Your walk with God is what determines your legacy. Wrapping up Solomon's story, three times God shows up and he invites Solomon into this walk with him. In the end of the story for Solomon, it says this, it says, as Solomon grew old, his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God as the heart of David his father had been. In other parts of the story, we we read that Solomon had begun to worship other gods. He even built temples for those other gods. Uh, Along the way, Solomon lost his focus on his relationship with God. As I worked through the story of Solomon, I couldn't help but think of the words of Jesus. What do you benefit if you gain the whole world, but you lose your soul? You see, the story of Solomon is our story. We see the contrast of what the world values. They value position. They value ability. They value achievements. And we think those are the things that define our legacy. Those are the messages we receive. Strive for position. 
Strive for ability. Strive for achievement. Because that's how you'll make a name for yourself. But in the middle of all that, we encounter a God who invites us and is constantly saying, walk with me. Walk with me in obedience. He continues to invite us, as he did Solomon, to spend time with him, to be obedient to him. You see, all of those things wrapped up in position, ability, achievements, they lead down a road that's not fulfilling in the end. God is there to remind us as he reminded Solomon, your legacy is built on your love for me, your relationship with me. At the end of the day, all God wants to do is walk with us. Our greatest legacy, the most important mark we will make on the world, what we will pass on to those who come after us, is our relationship with Jesus. There is no greater legacy than to walk with God, to know him, to live for him, to love him. And here's what's really interesting. When we put God first, he takes care of the other stuff. He takes care of the position, the ability, the achievements. He changes our hearts. He changes our perspective. Jesus said in the New Testament, Seek the kingdom of God above all else. Live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. The question today is, will you accept God's invitation to walk with him? Campus pastors come and lead us in our response. Thanks again for joining us for the Crossbridge podcast. The mission of Crossbridge is to lead others into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And we'd love to partner with you on your spiritual journey. So please let us know how we can come alongside you and support you and pray for you by visiting crossbridge.church.